Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. This is your host, Meg Gluckman, and you are listening to Welcome to the Other Side, my podcast for moms after divorce, where we talk about all things co-parenting, self-confidence, career change, money mindset, parenting, all the good stuff that we as moms after divorce kind of have to deal with. And really, it's about how do we create lives that we truly, truly love. And I have a fabulous tool to share with you today. This is my Chill Moms Manifesto, Seven Powerful Beliefs to Lower Stress During and After Divorce. I have been percolating on this for a long time. I have noticed some really common, similar themes between the folks that have guested on this podcast and with my clients who are chill, who are able to remain calm during their co-parenting dramas, during their divorce, during big issues that come up. And I've kind of been just holding on to these nuggets, seeing these similarities, and I decided to put it together in a list of seven. So these are the seven powerful beliefs that I see so many moms share who are able to stay chill, calm, peaceful, grounded during co-parenting challenges. So I wanted to share them with you today. And I did put them together into a kind of a pretty poster that you can print off if you want to be reminded of these beliefs. If you're going through challenging co-parenting stuff right now, grab this download, put it somewhere that can remind you, this is what I want to focus on. All right. So let me read through all of them and then I'll tell you a little bit more about each one. The first one is I focus more on my desired future than on my past. Number two, I expect my ex to continue their patterns. Number three, I take full responsibility for how I want to parent. Number four, I'm willing to look directly at worst case scenarios and decide what I will do if they happen. Number five, I accept that big negative feelings will come up and I give myself time and space to feel them. Number six, I notice when I'm laser focusing on something my ex is doing and I help myself zoom out and put it in perspective. And number seven, I take responsibility for my health and make sure that I have plenty of rest and pleasure in my life. These are so good. So good. All right, let's start at the top. Number one, I focus more on my desired future than my past. How we think about our future determines so much more what we create than what has happened in the past. If we have a clear idea of what we want our future to look like and we keep it present in our minds, meaning we think about it every day, right? We we bring it to mind. We might journal about it. We put sticky notes up around the house around what we're trying to create. Then if we are focused on it, if we're telling our brain to keep focused on this future, we will work towards it. 
if we are only thinking about what has happened in our past, that's going to limit us. It's going to limit who we can become. And it feels very different. If we have hope for our future, that can really lift us up. It can energize us. It can spark us, inspire us. If we have felt like a victim of our past, if we feel like we messed up in our past or our past was determined by what other people did and our mind is mostly thinking about that, then that's going to weigh us down and make it harder to make changes for our future. So what I see is the moms that are calm and optimistic about their future focus more on their future than on their past. Okay, number two, I expect my ex to continue their patterns. This is a fun one because we wouldn't think that expecting someone else to continue their behavioral patterns would be helpful, <laughs> or at least I wouldn't necessarily. But what it does is it gives us so much freedom. It allows us to know pretty much how they're going to behave and decide how we want to respond and how we want to live our life around that. Folks who spend a lot of energy trying to change their ex, trying to get them to behave differently, can feel out of control. And that makes sense because we're putting so much energy into someone else acting the way that we want them to act. And we're not putting that energy towards our own life and what we're trying to create, what we have agency around. When we are more focused on somebody else acting a certain way, it drains us. So instead, what I see in the moms who are calm and optimistic and, and forward thinking is that they expect their ex to behave as their ex has behaved in the past. And they make plans around that. Okay, number three, I take full responsibility for how I parent. This means it's not my child's responsibility for how I show up as a parent. And it's not my ex's responsibility for how I show up as a parent. If I am thinking all about my ex's behavior, if I am feeling resentful or angry about how they're showing up, and that is the energy in which I come into my parenting, that's my responsibility. I get to decide how I'm going to parent, how I show up. And it may take some recentering on my part if I've been triggered by something my ex has done, if I've been triggered by something my child has done. It may take me giving myself a little break or resetting my brain. But in the end, I take full responsibility for how I show up as a parent. Number four, I am willing to look directly at worst case scenarios and decide what I will do if they happen. Worst case scenarios are like the boogie monster under our bed. We can live in fear of them happening and lose sleep <laughs> like a child losing sleep with fear of the boogie monster under their bed. Or we can look directly at it and decide what we're going to do. What I find as I lead clients through my worst case scenario exercises is that once we finally look directly at it, and we see what it is, then we can make a plan. Should this happen, this is what I'm going to do. And then that worst case scenario loses power over us. We don't want it to happen, right? I mean, that is by definition, our worst case scenario. We don't want it to happen. But if it does, 
we know what we will do, and we can kind of shelve it, right? We can put it on an imaginary shelf. It's taken care of. There's a plan, and we're done. Sometimes we feel like our ex can use worst-case scenarios against us, that they can use these horrific ideas or outcomes to get us to behave in a certain way or to do different things. When we can look at these worst case scenarios and decide what we're going to do if they happen, our ex loses all of our, all their power over us in that instance. And let me give some examples, right? Like sometimes we worry about our kids being hurt, you know, when they're with our ex, we worry about our ex talking negatively about us to our kids. We worry that our relationship with our kids will be ruined somehow. I'm putting that in quotes, like ruined by our ex. All of these things we can look at and we can dissect them and we can come up with a plan and then we cannot worry about them anymore. Okay, number five, I accept that negative feelings will come up and I give myself time and space to feel them. We are humans. Humans experience positive and negative emotions. Our superpower can come when we can allow the negative emotions to come up. We allow them to move through our body and then we move on with our day. What often happens for folks is that we try to resist emotions, right? We try to ignore the stuff that's coming up, whether it's sadness or anger, loneliness, resentment, we push it down, we push it down, right? But what ends up happening then is that it lingers. And instead of something that we might need just one good cry to have it pass through our body, we end up carrying this around for hours or days or weeks or months. When we become skilled at allowing feelings to move through us, we're able to get on with our life. We're able to understand what that feeling what the message is that that feeling has for us, and then we move on. Number six, I notice when I'm laser focusing on something my ex is doing, and I help myself zoom out and put it in perspective. This is so critical. I think when we are stuck in that really laser focus or tunnel focus, it can seem so huge, right? Like, one text from our ex or one thing that they have said to us or one thing they did or brought up in a court document, they can seem so huge when we are able to step back and see how does this actually fit in with our whole entire life? What is, what is the consequence of this thing to our whole life? And how much energy do I really want to give it? When we can put it in perspective, we can regulate our nervous system around it. And I see folks who are able to catch themselves when they're in that tunnel focus and pull themselves back out as being the ones who are able to stay calmer, able to be more present with their kids, able to have a more positive co-parenting relationship. The final one, Number seven, I take responsibility for my health and I make sure I have plenty of rest and pleasure in my life. Ah, oh, this is so good. This is not about blaming other people in our life for our health. We take responsibility for it. 
we take responsibility for making sure we get enough rest. We take responsibility for going to the doctor or talking to an alternative healthcare professional if stress or anything else is having negative impacts on our health. We recognize the importance of rest. We recognize the importance of pleasure and we bring those into our lives. And it doesn't have to be big. I'm not talking about, you know, seven day spa vacations here. <laughs> that would be lovely, but that's not a reality for most of us most of the time, right? I'm talking about small things. It can be as small as deciding I am stressing out about something my ex said right now, and it's depleting my energy, and I am going to table it. I'm going to tell myself I don't need to think about this today because it isn't critical, like time sensitive. I'm tabling it till tomorrow, and I'm going to give myself mental rest around thinking about my ex, and I'm just going to create some mental space, and it's just that choice that choice about what I'm going to focus on, what I'm going to spend my time thinking about is so powerful, as is intentionally cultivating pleasure. You can also say joy in your life, right? And this also can be so small. It can be as small as like taking a pause when you're walking out to get the mail and just appreciating a flower that's coming up or noticing the sunshine or feeling the breeze, right? Connecting with beauty can be as simple as that, but you take responsibility for it. You don't wait for it to just cross your path and like come into your mind. You intentionally cultivate the practice of noticing beauty, bringing in joy, and cultivating pleasure. So these are the seven powerful beliefs and really their practices that I see in moms that are doing well during divorce and after divorce. They keep coming back to these things. Our relationship, our co-parenting relationship, our parenting relationships, they're going to continuously evolve, right? We're going to have times where it's pretty chill. And then there's going to be times of conflict and challenge. And we can keep coming back to these seven powerful beliefs over and over again. And we can keep taking responsibility for how we're feeling in our lives. I hope you found that helpful. I would encourage you that if it did resonate with you, there'll be a link in the show notes, excuse me, a link in the show notes, or you can go to my Instagram page and in the link in the bio, you'll be able to download this and you can print it out and you can put it somewhere to just remind yourself, this is what I want to focus on. This is what I want to cultivate. All right, y'all. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week, and I'll talk to you again soon. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you are a mom who's divorced and feels really challenged by your co-parenting relationship, I want to make sure that you know about the free class that I have on my website. It's called Fearless Co-Parenting, and it's all about eliminating anxiety, worry, and panic from your co-parenting relationship. We know we can't control what our co-parent does, but we can control and feel more resourceful and resilient in how we feel about their behavior. I want you to have so much more confidence, 
resourcefulness and calm in your co-parenting relationship. And I'm going to show you how to get it. It is possible to feel at ease, to sleep well at night, no matter what your co-parent is doing. So go grab that class, Fearless Co-Parenting from my website, meggluckman.com, and let's change your co-parenting relationship forever.